theyeshiva.net. We are up to Daf Lamad Zion, Ahmad Bayes, Lamad Zion, the second column, which would be page 73. On top it says Mikates. Approximately around 10 or 15 lines from the top. The line starts Ha'Allah, Vihiskalalus, Mimata Lamaila, Masha'enkin, Neshamas Yisrael, Yeshlam, Avoida Nicephus. See, the line starts Avoida Nicephus. Few words, a few Uh-oh. words before that. So the Pasik tells us in Tehillim, we say it every single morning. We'll soon hear them singing it to the famous Nigan. Ivdu es Hashem besimcha, boyu lefanov birnona. So literally, we translate it in the English translation of the Siddur. Let's see how he translates it here. Ivdu es Hashem besimcha, serve God with joy. And Bayu Lafan of Birnana, serve the Lord with joy, come before him with exultation. Or he translates it here as Rina, Vizimra, Song. So it's not just a repetition. You should serve Hashem with joy. But as this Maimer of Rani Vesimchi Basin explains, it's actually two very different modalities, two very different experiences in life, in Avodah Hashem. And it's emphasized and articulated through the change of verbiage. Simcha versus Rinana and Ivdu Hashem versus Boyu Lefanov. The first is Rinana. Rinana is the song, the shira, the zimra, which characterizes the entire Motus Aparendi, the entire M.O. of the Malachim, and really of the entire cosmos, of all the creatures who Perik Shira tells us how they sing. And the Malachim sing constantly, they never stop. Mavarchim, Meshabchim, Mefarim, Aritzim, Makdishim, Amlichim, Shira, Zimra, Poischim, Espiim, Beshira, Vezimra, etc. Lakel, Baruch, Nimis, Yitainu, Zmiris, Yameru. And music, he says, the song is always representing a yearning, a craving, a deep desire, because there is a certain void, there is a darkness. And that's why the Zohar says it brilliantly in one word, in one line, in two words, Renona is Beramsa. Renona is always during nighttime. And then there is the experience of Simcha. Simcha is Betzafra. Simcha is in the morning. And Simcha represents a whole different experience, because as he says, Simcha is his galus hapnimius. So let's see. Mashenki nishamus Yisrael yesh lahem avoidin oisefes v'bchines hamshochem milmaila lamata me'ahelam elagilui shekol simcha he is galus hapnimius. Malachim have one avoided avoid of Rina boyulafon of Birnana which is a state of boyulafonov, you have to come before him because you're going upward, you're trying to overcome the void, you're, you're trying to overcome the gulf. But Neshamas Yisrael have another avoid, and that is the opposite direction, the hamshacha from above, below, from concealment to revelation, that the Shechina should not be concealed, it should be revealed. Shekol simcha is galos all simcha is what? Revealing what is inside. That's what simcha does. Generally we see that during a time of simcha, 
people open up in ways that they would not open up otherwise. In a time of real joy, like the deepest recesses of their soul, their deepest energies and passions and convictions and loves and emotions emerge. Generally, the difference between a person who's sluggish and a person who's happy, they may both be functional, but when a person is alert and has alacrity and and a simcha, so all the koiches function with much more potency. Their full potential comes out, it's accentuated, it's revealed. Where atzvos, the opposite, everything may still be there, but it's repressed, it's, it's fakvetched. It's fakvetched, it's limited. The, the create, full creativity of koiches come out when there's simcha. Simcha opens up, it opens up things. And generally... Therefore, he says that what simcha simcha is, is galos hapnemis. And therefore, he says, what's this avoided by neshamas? Kenoida shepchines simcha zui me'am shalchas erin seif baruchu b'teiru mitzvahs. The simcha comes from the flow, from the communication of the light of the infinite one, which is expressed in teira and mitzvahs. Shenitnu li Yisrael davke, ma'sheikin ha'malachim bikshutna ha'itcha la'shamayim v'loi nitincho. This was actually a point of contention. The Gemara says in Masech the Shabbos, when Moshe came up to the mountain to get the Torah, to heaven to get the Torah, leave your grace in heaven, don't give it. Don't give it to a boss of Adam, don't give it to the Jewish people, don't give it to humanity. They actually didn't get the Torah and the mitzvahs. This was a conflict. And Moshe Rabbeinu had to fight for it, as the Gemara tells the whole story there, how Moshe Rabbeinu answered the Malachim, and ultimately... He received the Torah. So therefore, the Malachim spiritual life remains in the mode of Rinona, not Simcha. They feel divine energy, but the divine energy they experience, as explained at length, is always through Midas HaMalchus, Malchus HaMalchus Kalaylamim, which even if you feel it, it's still a concept of night and darkness because of its major finite, fine, finite quality and restrictiveness. And therefore they aspire, they yearn to transcend that and touch infinity. And that's what their singing is all about. They want to be included in the Ein The Neshama also experiences that. That's the night avoida. And that be, that's what it begins with. He says, always You always begin with that. But then there's the second avoida, which is Simcha. Simcha is the ability for the Neshama to celebrate what is. To celebrate the fact that there's Amshacham Milmaila Lamata, the Torah Mitzvah, is a way of communicating and accessing the infinite in the present model of life, in the present reality. This is expressed also in Krishna. We said. Uh, no, Rinona is not Atzvos. No, Atzvos. Atzvus is depression. Atzvus is sadness, melancholy. Renona, there could be a nigan of sadness, but there's also a nigan of simcha. Renona is, is, is not Atzvus. Atzvus is paralysis. Atzvus is a person that spears. They, they get stuck. They're in a state of stagnation. They feel helpless. Renona is not that. Renona is, there's a, there's, there's a lot of life in Renona. Ezucht, Alechzet. He's touching something. He's feeling something. He's feeling something. He's expressing a very deep experience. It's not the atzvus which is like stifling. 
Kumar Shakasov, this says in Krishna Vahoyo Advarame Lashar Anoichi Mitzav Chayoim, the emphasis is the word Anoichi. Anoichi Misha Anoichi. These words that I command you today should be on your heart. So he says, There's no name here. It's I. We spoke before about Baruch Shem Kvayd Malchose. The name never captures the essence. When I know your name, I know your name, but I don't know you. And even when you know your name, you may know your name, but not you. And name also has reputation. The reputation is not you. That's Shemus. Reputation is the way you're expressed to others, that which could be expressed to others. It's always filtered through the eyes of others. Anoichi is I. Who? My very, very eyes. He says, In Teireh Mitzvahs, I am there. Anoichi, beyond names. Anoichi mitzavchaya. Ah, you just explained that the Boire has no erech to the Nivra. And the Boyri can't communicate with the Nivra unless the Boyri becomes Saif, right? He said before, the whole Indian, why? You have to have Malchus, Malchus, Kalaylamim. So he said, Ein Erech, Le Boyri, Im Nivra, the only way we could get Chayis is Aide Malucha. Even though when you're focusing on human growth from a lower place to a higher space, it says, Boyulafon of Birnana, the only way you could come to him is through Rinana. Shei Afshali is Pchinas Alav, is Kaulus Kim, Pchinas Sitkoscha, Upchinas Rinana Biramsa. There cannot be the person who is created, and even the Malach cannot lift himself up to the essence because there's no comparison between the infinite and the finite. And all he can experience is the divine, and at best, if he works on himself, he can experience a divine energy that vitalizes him, which is called Sitkoscha. It's the tzedek, which represents Midas HaMalchos. And that's why it creates a tshuk, it creates, it creates a craving, it creates a yearning. But the halal and the skalas can only be the Sitkoscha. The godliness you could find is the godliness of the self, the godliness that vitalizes the self, my consciousness, that's what I have. Now that is divine energy, but it's Midas HaMalchos, and then Malach can feel it, and they yearn, and they yearn. And that's why it's Pchinas Rinana, which is always Berams, it's always in a state of Chayshach. That's true. But when you're talking about coming from higher to lower, you're talking about Melmaila Lamata. The oil of the ain't sof on its own and nimshach gam mipchinas anoichi misha anoichi. If I'm asking about my experience, what am I capable of experiencing? Even if I excavate and I find who I really, really am, mipsari echzelaka, I can experience the energy that I'm capable of experiencing. In other words, that which is filtered in order to give identity to my consciousness, but not more. So there's boyu fun of when I have to come, I could come with Rinana. That's how I approach you. But what happens when Oyrin Soif may a love umemela? When he wants to shear himself, he can give also a noichi, which is how does he describe a noichi? I am who I am. That's the description. I'm not going to tell you a name. I am who I am. Who am I? The moment I talk about it, it's not I anymore. Because if I talk about it in a way that you can understand it, it's you. It's how you define me. It's not me. So who am I? I am who I am. Anoichi Because 
even I can't describe it to myself because the description of it is not me. So how do you describe a noichi? Asher noichi? A noichi misha noichi. That's his definition. I am who I Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Ki of yizbarach Because for him, darkness is like light. We say this in Halak. We have in Halal, the first section of Halal. As usual, you know, it's, uh, people say it, we'll soon hear it. Still by Baruch Shem. Uh, don't get it. They're not by the Nona. Balvedzain Simcha. We say in Halal, remember, Halaluk Halu Avde Hashem, Yishem Hashem Mevoyrech. Ram al kolgoyim Hashem, Allah shemaim kvoida. Translate: God is above all the nations; His glory is in heaven. Okay, what's the next pasuk? Mika Hashem alekeinu, hamagbi l'shevus. Who's like our God? Who is so high? He sits so high. Hamashpili, He can humble Himself. Liros b'shemaim ubaris. Well, Tanya explains there's a debate going on in the pesukim. It's not the chazarim toydus. Let's, let's say something else about God. There's a conversation going on. He says elsewhere that there's actually a debate between two ways of looking at Hashem. It's a very profound debate. Here he's Miram, he says it B'Kitzvah. You look at his words, For him, Ruchnius is just like Gashmius. Gashmius is just like Ruchnius. To define God as spiritual is as idolatrous as to define God as physical. One of the deep ideas of the Balatanya. To associate God as being the spiritual versus the physical, and the physical by definition is divorced of God, he says that's another projection of the human imagination. Shamayim and edits is actually identical. This means two things. Don't think that when you're spiritually inclined, you have God. Maybe equally important is don't think because you're a physical person, you don't have God. Ruchnius could be a trap, just like Gashmius could be a trap. And Gashmius could be divine as much as Ruchnius could be divine. This has a lot of ramifications, as you can imagine. And it's counter to how religion is often taught. It's the spiritual sense of detachment from Gashmias where you find God. That's not true. It's part of the path. It's part of a path. But it's not, it's a path. Like everything, a path, you could get stuck in a path. It reminds me, I once met, how a, a wise person answers. My father was a journalist, so when Yitzchak Rabin was killed by uh, Yigal Amir, when was it? In 90. Uh, hey, I think, yeah? 93? Cheshvan, right? It was Metzoy Shabbos. So my father wanted to go to the Levaya, so I escorted him to Eretzisrael. So we went on an El uh, Al flight, so a lot of the, all the Israelis, the Israeli Cheshvan dignitaries who were in America, had to all fly back for the funeral. So uh, the mayor came and Giuliani was sitting near us. He was the mayor then. He went, I think, to the funeral. So there was a Yidir, Reb Menachem Parush. 
Menachem Parish was the Agudist of Eretz Yisrael. The Parish family was the Agudist Yisrael representative. He was very close with a lot of G'dayli uh, Yisrael. He was a serious askin, a serious activist. So I was schmoozing with him on the flight. So he told me, the Menachem Parish told me that he was once by the Lubavitcher Rebbe in his room. Tells the Rebbe, he says, the Rebbe had a shit to, to be bilti maflakti, to be uh, apolitical, never to have seats in the Knesset, ever. Because he wanted to be connected to all the parties, not not to become, it shouldn't be political. How is this shit? So Nachbar says, I don't understand you. You want to have an impact. If you're in the Knesset, you can have a real impact. Because you have a power to vote, legislation, and so forth. You can have an impact. It's good for Torah. If you would, uh... So the Rebbe said, he tells me, the Rebbe said that uh, he feels that his hashpa could be far deeper if he completely remains apolitical, because then he can even reach people on the left who are very far from Yiddishkeit, because there's no political cheshbonus, it's, it's human relationships. And his only tachlis is Torah and mitzvahs, nothing else. He doesn't have any other interests. Nothing else. And for that, it's much better to be apolitical. This was a little sensitive. He tells the Rebbe, and you think our goodness is strong, has other purposes? <laughs> you think we care about anything else? All we care is also Torah Mitzvah. But we understand that through the Knesset, you can get money for yeshivas, and you can, you can change laws, and you can help the Chinuch. It's also all for Torah Mitzvah. And he tells the Rebbe, the Rebbe Vestach, the Mishnah, Hasken Atzmecha, the Kruzdur, Kadesha, Tekonis, Latraklin. There's a Traklin. The Traklin is the mansion. The Kruzdur is the corridor. You have to prepare in the corridor to get into the mansion. You can't get to the mansion if you don't go through the Kruzdur. He says, for us, politics is the Kruzdur, Kadesha, Tekonis, Latraklin. So Padre says, the Rebbe Takugitan of me, he took a look. He says, Rebbe Menachem, MS, MS. Abramol Vertman Farplantert in the Prusdor. But sometimes you get a little entangled in the corridor. Fablanjet. 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 is even more. It's you get entangled in the Prusdor. He said that was it. He tells you, Ah, Azak Lugayid. Azak describe everything he was thinking. And everything that I know in, in such words. Ruchnius is a prusdur. It's not the trakla. So this is a debate going on in Hala. Well, Tanya says like this. The spiritual nations of the world, and as we know it also seeped into some Jews, say, Hashem. God is above. Where do you find Hashem? You want to find godliness? Go to heaven. In heaven you find godliness. In earth? It's a busha. Earth is a degradation. Earth is a compromise. Earth is makam hatuma. Allah shamayim Fakert. They elevate him from earth not because they disregard him. Out of respect. Out of regard. What does Gashmi have with God? Ruchni is shamayim. Shamayim is a symbol for, for spirituality, for transcendence, for the ethereal, for that which is not tangible. The body, the physicality, this is disgusting. That's a shitta, and it's a shitta that l'cha'ayre is all about k'vayt shamayim. Rama al-kagoyim ha-shem al-shamayim k'vayda. Al-Tarebbe says that, Dovra Malach says, you got him all wrong. 
says, you don't understand. Mika Hashem Alekeinu. Let me tell you about God. Hamagbila Sheves. He's higher even than heaven. Bemele, mashpili lira is b'shemayim of haritz. So therefore, heaven and earth are the same hashpala. The same hashpala. Hashpala means um, the same descend, descending, lahashpil. The same descent that's necessary for haritz is also necessary for shemayim. Why? Because you can't define Hashem as a gashmi, but you also can't define Him as a ruchni. The definition of God as spirituality is equally erroneous as the definition of physicality. And it's not that spirituality is a little closer. They're equally, infinitely remote. If that's the case, what becomes the value of spirituality if God is there? And if that's the case, then physical could be as meaningful, as sacred, as valuable. And this is the biggest side of Teres of Hashem that the guf should not be neglected. Often people associated Yiddishkeit with neglecting the body, with mocking the body, with denigrating the body. The body is tumor, the body is a sickening, it's like a tragedy. Nebuch, you have to live, so try to crush it as much as possible and then you'll get to the good place where there's only ruchnis. But the truth is, it says there's something deeper. MS, of course the body could be a trap, but spirituality can also be a trap. Spirituality can also be a form of self-worship, not God-worship. You even have souls that are more spiritually inclined than physically inclined. That makes them superior people. It's their pleasure. Some people enjoy a steak. Anybody? Some people go crazy from potato chips. Some people love ice cream, vanilla, chocolate. Some people go crazy from music. Some people go crazy from reading, from books. And some people are infatuated by spirituality. It's a certain sensitivity. But it could be the same ego. And sometimes it could be a much bigger ego because they delude themselves that they're transcendent people but they really didn't touch the divine. It could be another Avodah Spirituality becomes another narcissistic Avodah <coughs> even though it's very spiritual. It's just, like the Gemara says, even about Torah. The Gemara says about Torah in Masech Tainus, Zacha Nasa Loi Samchayim. Loi Zacha you know what the Gemara says? Nasaloi Samhamavas. The Torah could become for a person deathly. How could the Gemara say this? There's a Gemara Mesech the Tainus. Loi Zacha, Nasaloi Samhamavas. A person learns a blood Gemara and it's poison? Samhamavas? Poison means it kills you. Torah? I understand. Bittul Torah. Torah? He doesn't say the Torah is Samhamavas. Nasaloi Samhamavas. That I once heard from the Rebbe. Nasaloi samamavas. Sometimes a medicine could save a life, but for this person it's a killer. Why? Because his whole ashkafa to Torah is warped. The blood Gemara, all it does is it makes him more toxic, more arrogant, more pompous, more fake, more delusional, more, less authentic, less divine. If the Torah becomes a tool for judgmentalism, for putting people down, for denigration of others. It's a form of poisonous toxicity that's not about the Torah, it's about how he is accessing it. Huh? Bazak Stu? Do you learn so much, Taka, that uh, you have this job? I'm not that arrogant. Right, okay. 
for Torah to be Sama Mavis, you have to sit and learn. So Madrega Eich. person doesn't learn, it's Nishka Sama Mavis. That's a very sharp idea. I, he's saying here, Torah is the ultimate Vekas. It's the ultimate Vekas, but first you have to have a Rilana. person has to have a sensitivity to what it is. So you can have the holiest thing, but it could become a trap. Even Torah. So that's what he says. All the, when we speak about Malchuscha, and therefore the process of, gro- of, gro- of, growing, of growing upwards is defined by Renana, that's when you're talking about Matalamayim. When you're talking, it's on Hashem sharing himself. He could come into the Gashmi as much as to the Ruchni. Why? Because me Kashem If you define God as spiritual, you're right. How can he come into Eretz? He said, we don't call Hashem Shemayim. He's not in heaven more than in earth. Ruchni is, is the same symptom like Gashmi is. To put it in simple words, to create spirituality, God had to suspend himself just like to create physicality. Because the highest spiritual experience is ultimately an experience. And because it's an experience, it's, it's finite energy. And because it's finite energy, therefore, ultimately, God is concealed over there. Unless he reveals himself. And if he reveals himself, then the Gashmi is also is part of it. That's what he says. Hashavu mash v'katan begadu. V'am shachazu yedei teiru mitzvah. But did he ever share himself? That's the question. So he says, yes, he shared himself through teiru mitzvah. Hadvarim ma'ela asher anoichi. That's anoichi mitzavchayim, not names. Is God in the world? Of course he's in the world. Is he revealed in the world? If you work on yourself, he could be revealed in the world. But what's revealed? What's revealed is the name. That's why you'll always see throughout all psukah de zimra, they won't stop talking about shmoi. Always Shmoy. Yishtabach Shmoy La'at. Shem Hashem. Yihalu is Hashem, Shem Hashem, Shem Hashem, Kinizkov Shmoy Levada. It's always Baruch Shem Kvoid Malchusa. Because what is a name? A name is how I am relatable to you. That is the definition of the cosmos. God made himself relatable to existence. In Torah and Mitzvahs, you have a Noichi. I. You have the intimacy of him. That's why it says Anoichi. Vam Shachaz, we had the Torah Mitzvah, Advarim Elasher Anoichi, Ramach Mitzvah, same Ramach Evar in the Malk. The Zoyer expresses it when it says that the 248 Mitzvahs are the 248 organs of the king, the limbs of the king. It says, when you grab somebody's hand, what are you grabbing? Hainu Kemashal Evarim Shabbat Malubeshes Anashama. Mitzvahs are like organs in which the Nashama is enclosed. Vam Shachaz, Evarim Nimshechaz Gamma Nashama Malubeshes Bah. So when you pull an aver, you're not only getting a piece of flesh, you're getting the life of the person inside of it. So Ramach Evarim the Malka, the Tezaya says, don't just look at tefillin or tzitzis or Hanukkah candles as a physical act. It may be physical, and because it's physical, you may not see anything in it. You should know that in that aver you have a soul. And the soul that's there is this tremendous divine energy, and not just divine energy, but something of the divine essence. Generally, when you speak about Eivarim, there's three elements in the body. There's the right and the left and the center. The right arm, the left arm, and the torso. He says the same is true mitzvahs. They're generally, Torah is divided into three categories. You have Chesed, Reh, Yemina, Chesed, which is the right arm, is Pinatstaka. And then you have Karbanas, Avoid, the Tefillah, is the second, the left. And then Torah, he says Chuli, that's what the Chuli means. The Torah, Kava, Mamutza. And Torah is the center, it's the torso. This is the mile of Torah, even over mitzvahs. Torah is like the Evarim HaPnimim, the inner organs, the concealed organs that are vital to life, versus the Evarim HaChitzayim. V'zeu ivdu es Hashem. 
What's Hashem? Who ain't saved Baruch Hu Hanimshech Oyrei Melmaila Lamata B'Toyre V'Avoyde. Here, it doesn't say a shame. It's Yivdu as Hashem, like V'Haftas Hashem Olekech. Yivdu as Hashem. Serve God who is Hashem, the ain't saved, whose light comes down, Melmaila Lamata. If I'm looking from my experience, my experience is Renama. But Yivdu as Hashem, through His Oyrei that He communicates, and there's no limitation that it can't come into Gashmi's. Through Torah and Avoidu. And this is Besimcha. He's Simcha Shal Mitzvah. V'amir Razal V'chein L'tvar Allah. The Gemara says that when you daven, it should be Metech Simcha. And when you're Oymed L'tvar Allah, it should be Metech Simcha. So the Simcha Shal Mitzvah and the Simcha Shal Torah. Because Torah and Mitzvah's access is him. And that's the Yivdos Hashem Besimcha. What's the simcha? What are you celebrating? Simcha comes from revelation. That in Torah and Mitzvahs, the Ein Soif is revealed in a person's soul. But this can only happen when there was first Why? Because if the person did not experience the void, the tension then the resolution of that tension doesn't mean anything. Right? You understand what I'm saying? Ah? If you know you're missing something. When I taught uh, in yeshiva, for, I taught Bachrim, so, uh, so we learned Gemara Rashi, so they wanted to learn Tais Rasad If you don't, if you don't on your own, come up with the question of Taisvis and Ashi, you don't deserve to learn the Taisvis, because you want to appreciate Taisvis, it's going to be boring. If you're bothered by something, so when I resolve it, you'll feel the pleasure of it. If you're not bothered by it, I'm just wasting your time. So when you teach people Taisvis, if they're not bothered by the question, it's worthless. It's mean, it just becomes a terrible burden for them. That's a big mistake in education. People have to open themselves up to the energy. You have to ask the question. If there's no boyul of fun of Birnana, so it's emes that Torah and Mitzvahs has him, but it won't, it, won't be, it won't be able to be a conscious experience, or there won't be the simcha. You can have somebody without knowing you have them. Simcha always comes from his galus revelation. The revelation is only if there's the tension of boyul of fun of Birnana that is then resolved in Ivdus Hashem Besimcha. The hakas of Medaber, what's now the question? What should have it said first? <laughs> Should have said first, boy of Bernana. That's what he's saying. Night and then day. By of Medaber The Posak is speaking Milmailamata, not Mamatlama. If do as Hashem Besimcha. How can you experience the Ivdu Sashem Besimcha, which the Malachim don't have? The Malachim don't have. This Mizmar is talking about celebration, not a void. Mizmar Lasoida. Hariul Hashem Kalaritz. That's the world. Now we speak to you. Ivdu as Hashem besimcha, because he had the boil of fun of Bernana. And he continues, Du'u ki Hashem alakim hu son of Eloi anachnu, etc. So Bemele, these are the two nekudas of Rina and, and Simcha. This will now bring us back to the Pasuk, which opens up the Aftarit of Shabbos Hanukkah. Rami v'simchi basziyoy. Sing and rejoice the daughter of Tzir. Who's Bastzir? The daughter of Tzir. He says the Jewish soul in Golos is called Bastzir. Rami v'simchi Bas, the daughter of Tzir. 
For this, you have to understand what siyan is. Anybody knows the word siyan means in Russian Kaidish? A sign, right? Well, okay, we say you're going to the tziyan because at a tziyan there's a the, the person you can't see, the body you can't see, but there's a, a tombstone which is a tziyan. It's a simon, it's a sign, a marker that tells you, look here, there's something more. That's what tziyan means. Look here, but there's more than the monument. There's a body here. That's what tziyan means. It's a marker. Don't. It's not just a sign. The sign is pointing to something else. Bastian means the daughter of a marker. What's what's the meaning of this? Beating in seeing you've been back to love in Mashakos of Yimla Hashem Loyalam Alakayah Sin Ladervadur Hallelujah. Everybody knows this Pasik. How many times a day do you say it? So now you'll finally understand it. You'll see what's in this Pasik. It's a it's a pretty loaded Pasik. Yimla Hashem Loyalam, how do we touch it? So we can see how he touches it in Kedusha. Yimla Hashem Lailam. No, he doesn't touch it. That's wonderful. Okay, because they have the transliteration. Oh. Yeah, yeah, very good. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion. Throughout all the generations, praise Hashem. So what do we say? Why is, where does the word Siyan come in? Yimla Hashem Lailam. Let Hashem be a Melech forever. Elikayich, your God, should be a Melech forever, and suddenly he's called Tzia. So he's called Tzia, or we're talking to the Jewish people who are called Tzia, and we're saying, This is your God, Tzia. Look, where does Tzia come in? What does that mean? He's a God only for Tzia. He's your God, Tzia. You said, Look, no. In the middle, you have to put in two words. For somebody else who's not seeing, he's not your God. It's not simple. You're saying, What's Oilam? Remember? Is what? Space. What's Time. Space and time are our dimensions of existence. Everything is in space, and everything is in time. There's nothing that doesn't occupy space, and there's nothing that doesn't exist in time, in our perception of reality. Time is a fourth dimension of reality, as Professor Einstein explained to us. So, Yimloi Hashem Lo'olam is, you want that godliness should be revealed, where? In Makam. L'dor v'dor in Zman. Hainu ay dey for this you need see it. What's Pshat? Kihinexiv, the Pasik says, Nasa Adam Bitsalmenu Kidmuseinu. Let us make man in our image. Bitsalmenu in our image, Kidmuseinu in our visage. The Adam is created, Bitsalamelakim. What does this mean? How can a person be created in God's image? God doesn't have an image. There's a lot of different interpretations. In Teres Hanister, in Kabbalah, there's a mespchina called Adam Ha'elyeh. Adam Ha'elyeh means we define Hashem Kivayachal as an Adam. And therefore we could say the Adam down here is in God's image, because we're talking about the, the way the divine assumes a particular transcendental spiritual image. This is called Adam Ha'elyeh. Now this doesn't mean that he has a physical <coughs> visage and image. What does it mean? Hey Ramach, Pikudin, Ramach, Ivorin, the Malkin. These are the 248 mitzvahs, which are his organs. So when you look at a human body, you could see a structure, a physique, and it's a beautiful physique. 
there's the symmetry, this aver, that aver, this limb, that limb, this organ, that organ, these sinews, the whole structure of the body. The Rebbeinu Shlonkoyach also has a structure. That structure is Ramach Mitzvahs. Ramach Mitzvahs essentially are Ramach Ivar and the Malka. But what does this mean? V'hainu ruchni is ha-mitzvahs. V'ruchni is ha-toyrah k'moyshehin l'mayla. V'oyrein soif baruchu shehein hein b'tzalmeinu mamash. We're talking here about the spirituality of a mitzvah and the spirituality of Torah, the way they exist, the way they are in Oyrein Seif Baruch in the energy of the of the of the infinite, Shehein Hein B'Tzalmeinu Mamash, and they are in our Tzalem Mamash. We could say here Nasa Adam B'Tzalmeinu Kidmuseinu the Adam, Hashem says we're creating an art Tzalem, in Hashem's Tzalem. What's His Tzalem? His Tzalem is the structure of Torah and Mitzvahs, the way it is in the divine energy, which is the Ruchnis of Mitzvahs and the Ruchnis of Torah. Ach, however, Gashmi is HaMitzvahs, Kamoshin Islam Shubinyanim Gashmin. But then you have the physicality of a Mitzvah, the way the Mitzvah is interpreted and articulated through physicality. Lamash, tzitzis shal You make tzitzis, you take wool, you turn it into tzitzis. Tfilin ala cloth. You take parchment from an animal, the hide of an animal, and you write tfilin on it. These are examples of two mitzvahs as an example. Of course, any mitzvah. Say trumas, meister, stokin, nerchameke. You take a wick, you take oil. Heimrat p'chines tziyayin. All mitzvahs that we know is tziyan. It's only tziyan. Meloshin simen. Kamoi tziyan ha mitzuyanes. We say in Hashanahs. Tahainu sha mitzvahs ha gashmi is same roimzim la ruchnis kadam. What this means is the mitzvahs of gashmis are really markers. You hear what he's saying? The physical mitzvah is a marker. It's it points and it says there's something deeper here. Val yadam nimshech ruchnis oiren seifarachu. Because these are the acts, this is what access is, what allows you to access the ruchnis of the mitzvah, which is ain't so. Kemoi, talus v'tzitzis shaltzemer. Take a talus and tzitzis of wool. What is it a tzian for? The wool is just a symbol, it's like a monument. The pchinis oita er kasalma. The Pasik says that Hashem dawns light like a tunic, like a shirt. That's his talus. Levushek islag chiver. Daniel says his garment is like white snow. And the hair of his head is like white wool. Levushe is tzitz, is talus. Sa'areshe is tzitzis, individual strands. One is snow and one is white wool. So when we speak about a talus with tzitzis, really it's a marker. What is it a marker for? God's cloak. And God's here, which is, of course, a metaphor for it. Now, there is a kol mitzvah. Every mitzvah is the same. It's a mark. The same is true with the whole Torah. When a person learns Torah in our world, what are you learning about? Any sugi and gemara. Any what are you learning about? You're always learning about material things. That's what you're learning about. Today in the morning, we were learning Masech the Shabbos. So we're learning about wicks and oil and lighting one wick from another wick and if it destroys the flame, it doesn't destroy it. If it's embarrassing, if it's not embarrassing. 
We were learning about squeezing cholent meat and, and squeezing compote and squeezing fruits. And there's a debate and squeezing snow. So you're dealing with snow, you're dealing with ice, you're dealing with water. You want to know if it's this malacha, that malacha, no malacha, mutter, other. It's always dealing with nislap shebenyanim gashma. But that's only a tziyayin, it's a marker. Nimshech er teirel, yoyinah haruchnes shemadabarez benyanim ruchnes. Really, every discussion is really a spiritual discussion. But we don't have direct access to it, so we have monuments. And that's the Torah and mitzvahs that we have. But it's a tziyayin. It's a marker that says there's more. It points, like an arrow, it points. It's really just a physical manifestation of a transcendental experience. Because really the whole Torah speaks about Inyanim Ruchna. It really, it's all speaking about Ruchnes. He says, it's not which is just like an arrow. It's actually, you need it. Because it's through that that the Ur could come from the world of Ruchnes to Gashmis. So it's the Tzioin that allows the Divine to come into space and time. The bridge between infinity and time and space needs the tzion, which is basically the tzalmenu kidmusenu, the way the Adam HaElyon is articulated in structure of Torah Mitzvahs. And that comes into a physical form in our Torah Mitzvahs that allows it to come into Makam Azman. That's why the Chazal decided that every mitzvah needs a bracha. Why? Jews put on tefillin without a bracha. They put on tzitzit without a bracha. Nobody made brachas. Brachas is a chiddush of bayis sheni. Right? Nobody made brachas. You ate without a bracha. You did mitzvahs without a bracha. Today, every mitzvah has a bracha. You do brikas chametz, you make a bracha. You eat matzah, you make a bracha. You blow shofi, you make a bracha. You read the megillah, you light chametz, you make a bracha. Why? He says ki baruch miloshin hamavrich hagefer. There's a mission in Kelayim, Pedig Zayin. Hamavrich es hagefer. You know what mavrich es hagefer means? Mavrich. Anybody? Stuck in Israelis, da? Huh? Graft. You graft a vine. Shekayfif roishas meira laaretz. You take the point of a zmeira. Zmeira is the branches of a vine, of a grape, of a, of, a, of a grape tree, and you take the tip of it and you bend it into the earth. Because you want a new vine to grow. That's called a mavrich megavah. And halach, it's a complicated issue. Does the new tree that grows is it chayiv and arla, for example? Do you have to wait another three years or not? Is it called a new tree or not a new tree, etc.? So what's bracha? Baruch means always grafting. You take something, you communicate it into a different space, it goes through the earth and it comes out as a new thing. So therefore, since mitzvah is about communicating the infinite into the finite, and bringing out the malchus in space, so that's why they say Baruch Atasha. Baruch what they, they're trying to introduce you what a mitzvah is. A mitzvah is really, it's a baruch. It's a mavrich es Baruch is a lashem hamshacha. You take this moira, the moira, the vine, and you put it into the earth and a new gefer. So the bracha basically allows that the original vine, which is the divinity of the mitzvah, should be mavrich. It goes into the earth. In other words, it takes on a physical incarnation 
and something new emerges, which is the Torah and the mitzvahs that we relate to, which is physical. In Parshas Miketz, what was the name they gave Yosef? Avrech. What's an Avrech? So we have an invitation. An Avrech, a Choshev, a Nailer, a Abed Shalkol Bnei HaGoyla, a Muslim, a Medoisov, etc. All the invitations. Still looking for one imperfect Chosev. Yosef says, Vayikru lefon of Avrech. What's Avrech? Lefi Shoyot Tzadik, a Mekashel, a Mashpil, a Mavriach, a Ma'olam, a the uniqueness of Yosef and what made him so misunderstood by his brothers is Yosef had the ability to be mavrich. He could connect. You know what a briach is, right? Mavriach. A briach is a briach uh, What's a briach? Huh? Trough. It's the beam that connected all the beams of the Mishkan. So Yosef had the ability to be makasher and to be mashpia and to be mavriach. Three different terms. Makasher is to connect. Mashpia is to give. And Mavriach is to synthesize. May Oilam Vad Oilam from the highest worlds to the lowest worlds. May Oilam Vad Oilam. That's why his brothers couldn't understand it. His brothers live in a world of isolation. They lived in Oilam Ha'elyon. And that's where they felt Yiddishkeit will thrive. Yosef's Chiddush was Vayikru Lefan of Avrech. Hamavrech is To be able to say Baruch Hashem. May Oilam Ve'ad Oilam. From the Olam Ha'elion, even beyond time and space, or even in time and space, but spiritual time and space, Ad Olam. That's, that's the Chiddush of Yosef. That's why it says, Balatanya writes, Vayakir Yosef as Echav, Vehem lo hikiru. Yosef recognized this week. Okay, Yosef recognized them. He, they did not recognize him. Why? So the Pashtas Chazal bring, Rashi brings, because Yosef left at 17. He didn't have a beard. Now, a few years later, he had a shade in the board. They all had beards then, so he recognized and didn't recognize them. On a deeper level, though, it's really the, it's really the oimik of what Rashi is saying, Alpinister. Vayakar Yosef as Echav, Yosef had a hakara in his brothers. He understood them. Vehem lo kiru. Not now. They never understood him. They never had a hakara in him. Why? It's the same thing. We interpret people based on ourselves. If something doesn't work for me, it can't work for you. So I have to say, you're bad. Yosef had dreams that they didn't have. It didn't work for them, Taka. To put them in Egypt would be Sakonis Nefashis. So they look at Yosef and they say, he's an assimilationist. He's, he's, he's secular. He's a black sheep in the family. He's not for us. He's going to destroy the Jewish people. When they looked at Yosef, they said he's the closest thing to Judaism. That's basically what they said about it. The truth is, Huh? <laughs> the brothers. I'm just. Uh, I'm using a little humor. <laughs> That's what they said. Maybe they actually said it. Actually, maybe it's not so humorous. And they threw him into a pit, which is all symbolic, of course. They throw him into a pit. They sell him as a slave. He's the closest thing to Judaism. Why? Because they looked at Yosef and they said, "Das nishk This is ayid. Das nishk Ayid is Kedusha, Ayid is Tara, Ayid is isolation. This is Ayid. He wants to change the world. The truth is that Yosef's Dveikus and Hashem was so deep that they couldn't even comprehend how deep it was. Because if you would put them out there, they would lose it immediately. Their only reason their Yiddishkeit could thrive is because it was an isolation. Yosef was so connected 
that he could be in the abyss and reveal Enoid Mulvadoi there. That was why Vayikru Lafon of Avrech, Hamavrech Esagefer. That was the Chiddush of Yosef. The Ruzhina says, the Helik Ruzhina, the Ruzhina says that when Yosef sends his brothers finally back to their father to bring him to Mitzrayim, he says, Tell my father that Samani Elohim La Adin Al Kalaret Mitzrayim. God made me a ruler over the whole Egypt. The Ruzhina says, You want to give a little Nachas. Thus is Nachas Vayakov. Tell Yaakov, I went to the mikveh every morning. Tell Yaakov, I never missed a day of Rabbeinu Tam's tefillah. Tell Yaakov, I learned every day six blad gemara, rashi, toisvus, rishoinam, achroinam. That's nachas. Yeah, you tell Yaakov, samani, alikim, you know, you know your father, you know what you, who your father is. Go to Shailam. The Rishon says, pshat is, you have to learn the Pasuk differently. Tell my father, Samani Elohim Laden al Kalaritz Mitzrayim. Echegemachdem Eberstin on Oden of Eretz Mitzrayim. I turned Hashem into an Oden Eretz Mitzrayim. That's what, that, that's, that's why I was sent. And that's the Pshat in the Ksoyinus Passim. You make a colorful tunic, and the brothers hate him because of it, they throw him into a pit. Your father buys your brother a cashmere sweater, so you have to throw him into a pit. Go to Macy's or go to Century 21, there's a sale, and get yourself a cashmere sweater. You have to throw him into a pit. Because of a stupid shirt, that's why you throw a person into a pit, because you got jealous. Pshat is the Ksenis Pasim wasn't a Ksenis Pasim only. Ksenis Pasim represented something. It was colorful. For the Shvatim, Judaism was black and white. You stay in one place. Yosef had a Shlichus. The Shlichus was to come into a world that's multicolored, full of diversity with his paradoxes, and he would be able to reveal the Achdus Hashem in the diversity. Now somebody who's not holistic, who's not wholesome, if you throw them into a multifaceted world, they lose it. They, they don't know who they are. Yosef was given a gift that he could go into that place, and not only would it not compromise his dveikus, he would reveal the underlying harmony within the diversity. And that bothered them very deeply. Because they could tolerate Yosef as a brother. Nebuch, you know, you have one brother who's off the derech. Fine. But suddenly they saw that Yaakov sees in Yosef the future. Ah, that's dangerous. They could, you have a brother who doesn't make it in the system. Okay. So you have to throw him out of the house. You have to throw him out of the house. Why do they have to throw him out of the house? Because they saw that Yaakov felt that Yosef is the future of Judaism. That's what happened. Why? Because Yaakov understood that the Shvatim are big tzaddikim. No question. There's a derech. The Shvatim's derech is a chosh of a derech. Big tzaddikim. You can't be a mavato. But if Judaism is going to survive in the future, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to learn Yosef's mahalach. will no, no, because Jews won't be able to be locked up forever. It's not going to happen. And they're going to be exposed one day. So if you don't have the ability to find God, may oilam vad oilam, you won't have a future. That's why he invested all of his koiches in Yosef. And at the end, of course, they acknowledge that at that period, Yosef has to be the king. So it's all mirumas, the Baal says in three words, Vayikru Lefanov, Avrech. That's the name. Now, of course, the Egyptians probably didn't know this whole pilpul. <laughs> but the fact that the Torah records that this was the name, means that the name contains the MS, how Torah sees it, Avrech. doesn't mean that every mitzvah knew the whole pilpul, Yaakov and the Shvatim and this, and as you can see, this argument still goes on Adayay Mazah. 
Not really, but it looks that way. Okay, but there was a little bit on a different level. Here it's both uh, both in Kedusha. So the Pasuk said, Hashem, we say in the Kedusha from the Pasuk, Yimloich Hashem la'olam, Elekayich tziyon, l'dor v'dor hallelujah. Which is a Pasuk in Tehillim. We say it in the Pesukah de Zimra. Right after Ashrei, the Halalukah after Ashrei. Tehillim kufmem vav. And we say it, of course, in Kedusha. But it's a Pasuk from Tehillim. What's the diuk? Yimlech Hashem la'olam, Elekayich tziyon. Your God, the God of Tzion, it's like only for Tzion he's a Lakim. He's for Lakim for everybody. And Bechlal, how does it come in here? So he explains Alpinister the Vortis. What is Tzion? And the point was that when we speak of Torah and Mitzvahs, we could speak about it in two different ways. One is the Torah and the mitzvahs, the way it's articulated in the physical structure. So you have the Torah, which is all the literature, all the texts and explanations of Torah, whether Torah Shabbat or Torah Shabbat Peh, that mostly relates to physical reality, especially halacha. The same as the mitzvah, every single mitzvah has its physical characteristics and laws and qualities and properties. But he says, that's the tziyon of the mitzvah, that's a simon. There's something else, it's not something else, that's the depth of it, and that is that the Ramach, mitzvahs are really Ramach Evorim the Malka. There are 248 limbs of the king, which means that the mitzvahs are really a spiritual organism. They're a divine organism, and they're inter- just like a body. When you have a body, every part of the body is interconnected with every other part of the body, but every part of the body tells a particular story, it has a particular function, utility, message certain chemistry, something that it accomplishes, and then the body is interconnected, all the parts are interconnected with each other. So essentially mitzvahs are ramach evorim demalka, this is nasa adam betzalmenu kidmuseinu, the tselem of Hashem is the ramach evorim, but this is of course not a physical organism. So you have all the mitzvahs by Hashem, it means in other words, every mitzvah is really a form of divine energy. But the person could do a mitzvah and completely not be cognizant of it. But every single mitzvah, the physical mitzvah, is just the last step of an evolutionary process where you have the same mitzvah, what it represents in a spiritual reality, and then it evolves into the physical incarnation of the mitzvah, the way it's articulated in Shulchan Aruch. The same is with Torah. Every Indian in Torah, there's an expression that he alludes to here. There's an expression, a famous expression in Kabbalah by the Ramemi Fanu, Rabbi Nachem Azariah Fanu from Italy, he says, Which is a fascinating idea. Everything that says in Torah is really alluding to spiritual reality. It's a remez to physical reality. We have no way of learning it that way. So the Torah says that Cain killed Hevel. Or Chum uh, told his brothers that Noach was exposed. Or Adam and Chava ate from a tree. Or the brothers of Yosef threw him into a pit. So we look at a pit threw him into a pit, there's a Yosef, there's his brothers, a Ksayinus Pasim, whatever the story is. Or the Halachas, the mitzvahs of Sefer Vayikra, Sefer Bamidbar. But the truth is, the Torah is actually addressing a spiritual story. 
the terms that I use, the places that I use, the people that I use, the concepts that I use, the circumstances that I use, are really meshalom, they're metaphors. Remezes betachtayna. It's a remez, also betachtayna, it's really belyayn. And the Gemara says that tachtayna is kadmala ayla. It precedes the universe. Still saying Of course, yeah. still What precedes the universe? It's a the universe, and and not only, but it's not pshat that it's two separate tiras. It's one tira. The tira of pshat is an evolution of the tira of sod. Just like the geshem is an evolution. It's an incarnation of the ruchni. So they mirror each other, they parallel each other. And this is what makes Taita really a unified structure, it's like the Shama and the Guf. You have the physical limb and you have the spiritual energy that the limb reveals, the limb contains. And every single Sugi and Gemara that we learn is a Tsiyai, it's a Simen, it's a marker to the divine energy that lay here. And this is true literally about every Toysvus, every Rashi, every Rishon, every Acherin, every Mishn, every Pasuk in Chumash, every Allah in Shulchan Aruch, every Mitzvah. There's a sefer called Tur Barekas. Tur Barekas was written by Reb Chaim Koyen, who was a Talmud of Reb Chaim Vital, who was a Talmud of Darizal. This is basically the Shulchan Aruch Alpinister. So he takes Hilchas Pesach, Hilchas Shabbos, Hilchas Yomtev, right? So, for example, he has Simon Shin Ches in Erechaim as Hilchas Muktzah. It's one of the longest Simonim in Shulchan Aruch. So he goes through all the dinim of Muktzah, the way they're in Shulchan Aruch, the way they're spiritual. What does Muktzah mean on a spiritual level? He goes through all the dinim, all the protons. He does it with a lot of halachas. He was a Talmud of Reb Chaim Vital, who was the main transcriber of the Arizal's title, Reb Chaim Kalim. It's called Turbarekas. Just an example. But this is the concept there for Nasa Adam Betzalmenu Kid Musenu. What Talmenu Kid Musenu? That's where Hashem assumes an image. What image? The image which we call Ramach Mitzvah, which is very structured. But the structure there is divine energy. And then the Torah and Mitzvah, the way we access it, is called a Tsiyon. It's a marker. Like every marker that points to the fact that here lay something infinitely profound. Here lay something infinitely significant. And this is what allows the Torah and Mitzvahs of Ruchnis to be articulated in the world of Gashmi. And that's why, Yimlech Hashem La'olam, if you want the Meluch of Hashem to come into space, L'dor to time, which are properties of the physical world, it happens through Elikayich. Tziyon, it becomes your God, through Tziyon, which is basically that the Malchus is revealed in Makkim and Zman, because Siyon is what allows the Eir HaTayda and Mitzvah, which is essentially metaphysical, to come into a world of Makkim and Zman. So it's through the Siyon that you have the Yimla Hashem La'olam, and you have the Dor V'dor Halavuk. And that's what he says the concept of Birchus HaMitzvahs are. There was a time that Jews knew this about Mitzvahs, but then they forgot it. So the Chazal made that every mitzvah needs a bracha. What are they trying to accomplish with a bracha? Not to create a burden, to create awareness. Baruch. Before you do a mitzvah, you should first understand, don't think this mitzvah is just a robotic act. You light a Hanukkah candle, you put on tefillin, you put on tzitzes, you sit in a sukkah, you blow shoifer, whatever the mitzvah is. You light a Shabbos candle. A mitzvah says, a mitzvah is 
We're talking about Berchus HaMitzvah, so it's Mitzvah's essay. But Baruch, what's Baruch? He said Baruch is Mavriches HaGefen. It's grafting the vine into the earth so that a new vine emerges. So the concept of Berchus HaMitzvah is an awareness that a person should understand that this mitzvah, this Torah that he's learning, is really a marker, it's a tzion, that points and contains within it, and is an incarnation of an incredibly intricate divine message. And there is a divine energy, a spiritual energy, message, teaching, that is being contained through this Torah and through this mitzvah, and that's why they call Yosef Avreich, Again, from the word Hamavrich Esagefen, because this was Yosef's unique function, the Mashpia, the Makasha, the Mavriach, Me'olam Ve'adaylam. So, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, to know that Yehuda, for example, shouldn't have been so upset about Lashem Yehud, because, I mean, he should have understood this is a concession of times. We didn't always need it, but now you have to be Chazik, you know, it's. Uh... Well, then Ayyub Yehuda felt that Mela, what the Chazal were Mesakin. In the beginning of Bayesheni, you had Nevi and Mela. But the Lashem Yichud, the Noida Behuda felt was. Uh, in fact, the Balatanya also took out all the Lashem Yichuds. He left only one before Baruch Shammah, that's it. Stop, he also took out. It was a Kabbalistic idea. Noida Behuda was very. Uh, yes, yesterday we explained that. Shemayim Va'aretz, the Rabban Shalom is, is as far as from each one. The Va'aretz that we're talking about, the Gashmias that we're talking about there, is is it the the mitzvahs in the Gashmias or or straight up generic Gashmias? He was talking about the mitzvahs, the mitzvahs in the Gashmias. Because he was saying that through Torah and mitzvahs you have a noichi, there's no limitation and say, oh, he can't come into Gashmias. He's talking about the mitzvahs in the Gashmias. But it, it already changes our perspective on Gashmi's Bechlal. But of course, you can't compare the Gashmi to the mitzvah in the Gashmi. Because that is, that is where Gashmi becomes divine. But it already gives us a perspective on the Gashmi. Which is why the mitzvah could come into the Gashmi. So yeah, he was talking about the mitzvah. So then what's the Chiddush? I mean, that the, that the, that the, is that the physicality of the Torah is the same as, as the metaphysical part of the Torah? That's... that's Number one and number two, the Chiddush is both ways. Number one, that Ruchnis is not higher than Gashmias. The, the Torah part of Gashmias. The Mitzvah part of Gashmias. No, no Bechlal. That Ruchnis is not higher than Gashmias. Legabe, Mika Shemalakeno. And therefore, number two, Gashmias is not lower than Ruchnis. Now, the way it translates in Torah and Mitzvahs is that Torah and Mitzvahs are full of Gashmias. In other words, most of Torah and Mitzvahs come into the physical world. They don't shun the physical world. But that's a statement about that Hashem is not defined by Ruchnias any more than by Gashmias. He's not remote from Gashmias more than he's remote from Ruchnias. Yet we still spend our entire, you know, our entire lives, you know, putting Ruchnias on a pedestal, saying that it is it's much higher than than all the Gashmias. We kind of have that basic idea driven home until this morning. (laughs) (laughs) You got a comment on that?
I'm sure you have a lot to say on this. <laughs> no, well, not really. I, I, I concur. That, that's, that's the direction where, how we're focused. Where Torah and Mitzvahs is Ruchnius, so that's the way you connect to Hashem. You connect to Torah and Mitzvahs, and you're focused on Ruchnius. It, I think it, it, it doesn't necessarily agree with what you were saying, that when you look at Hashem, you don't look at him necessarily as Ruchnius or as, as Gashnius, because he's, he's a non-physical being, so you can't attribute... A non-spiritual being. being. <laughs> that was the point. Not a non-physical being, many said. Non-spiritual being. Well, I mean, you can't you can't give him uh, a physical body either. Or a spiritual body. Or a spiritual, yeah, either way. Or a spiritual concept. Okay, so let's go back. Let's go back before we get too far. Transcendence is not more real than imminence. Heaven is not more truthful than earth. What the gentleman was saying was that we are focused on Ruchnius and to win. You're a gentleman. What was the last time somebody called you Yeah. And what you're saying is we should not think of Hashem as Ruchnius at all. So how do you how do you have you know how do you weigh those two? Uh, well, there is a tension between Ruchnius and Gashmius that is very profound. In all of literature of Judaism, you'll find it. The tension between the bodily needs and the soul's needs, between morality and instinct, between physical cravings and spiritual yearnings, and so forth. So generally, the way we deal with the tension is, we say, one is bad, one is good. The challenge with that is two things. First of all, there are very few people who can really dismiss their gashmias. Very, very few people. Especially, there are people that are really very physically in tune. They almost need it for their survival. They're physical people. They're they're bodily-oriented people. So what we force them to do is compartmentalize their lives. When you're in Rome, you do as in Rome. When you're in yeshiva, you do as in yeshiva. In yeshiva, you'll play the spiritual role. The moment you'll leave the prison and the halfway house, then finally you'll be able to assume your full identity. But in the presence of God, you can't assume your full identity because God looks at your physicality and shuns it. That tension is one that the Balatanya utterly rejected. Completely rejected. Not because he was unaware of the traps, the promiscuity, the immoral depravity that may accompany physical gluttony, instincts, cravings, like everybody knows from their own life. That is part of the human struggle. But that doesn't mean that the Geshem should be shunned in its essence. That physical reality, for example, the body, and that which comes with the body, the world, is essentially abhorrent, and it's just a necessary evil that you have to deal with, and it would have been much, much better had you not have to deal with it. And one day, God willing, in Gan Eden, you'll finally get rid of 
the horrible evil of the guf and of the gesha. It's just a prusdur, kadesha tekanas latrakin, you have to deal with the politics of the body in order to get out of it. But of course, what that really means is that Judaism is compartmentalized. Because you can't show up with your full physical presence to Hashem because you're showing up with the devil. You're showing up with ugliness. What this really does is, by making God big, we make Him small and irrelevant. You heard what I said? By making God big, by making God ruchnius, because we're trying to make Him big, we really make Him small and irrelevant. I think that we're confusing Gashmias with sins. Exactly. No, because he was taught that Gashmias equals sin. And the person we look up to is the person who's completely not a Gashmi. That's who we can look up to. That's who we have to aspire to be. But there's still such a thing as a sin. Of course. But there's also a sin in Ruchni. (laughs) Remember that too. There's also a sin in Ruchni. Like we said, Tayyar Nasis Le Sama Mothers. Can Gashmis be used destructively? Of course, everything can be used destructively. If you find the divine, then the Geshem is as divine as Ruchni. And without it, the Ruchni could be as corrupt as the Geshem. This means that Judaism is not compartmentalized. It doesn't have to create... What's compartmentalization meant? Um, a split. There's a section that you show you bring to the base medrash, and there's a section that you bring to real life. There's a section that you bring to the bedroom, and there's a section that you bring to shul. There's a section that you bring to your religious life, there's a section that you bring to your business life, to your vocation, to your secular life. You're a different person. For You're like almost a different person. Here you show up as this uh, heavenly creature. And what do you do with that whole other part of you? Shh, we don't talk about it. But you do have to talk about it. So where do you talk about it? You can't talk about it in the presence of God. So there's no unity, there's no integration, there's no peace, there's no harmony. So that's what he says. This is ma- trying to make God big, but it's really making him small. And it's turning Ruchnius into a little idol and making Hashem much smaller by trying to make him big. And you also make him smaller in the sense that he can't relate to real people. It doesn't relate to real human conditions. In other words, Judaism is a path that demands transcendence of the human condition completely. So what do you do with the human condition? Either you become neurotic, in other words, you become unhealthy because you repress who you are because you want to be good, so you repress who you are, or you can't repress who you are, so you become disillusioned. So either you leave it completely, you just live a compartmentalized life emotionally, psychologically. You know, we have so you'll do what you have to do. You'll do what you have to do to get your kids in, wherever you have to get them in. But your heart, there's a cynicism that takes over. I think, for example, there's a lot of books on... Uh, in the last 25 years on uh, on Sadiqim. So it's like, oh, the Satna Rebbe never slept. Or Yaakov Kavanetsky learned 22 hours a day. Uh, Moshe Feinstein did this. And these, and we teach our children, uh, this is the, you know, if you want to be a Tzaddik, if you want to succeed in religion, that's just, if you want to succeed in religion, you're not going to sleep, you're not going to eat, you're not going to do anything. To, that, that's, 
all the Judaica bookstores are full of it. You go upstairs, you, you, you take a book, you get inspired by a guy who never slept. Story of the Maram Shif, the Maram Tziv, this is what. What's the story of the Natsiv? The carpenter, the carpenter. And the Maram Shif also, I think, didn't have. Uh, no, this is like. And they say even that we do have the cravings, but if we'll learn enough Torah, we're going to be a different person. We're not going to be the regular Gashmi's digger person. That's how we sh- I like we hear there's a lot in the Yeshiva out there. That if you learn enough, you won't be Gashmi. Yeah, anymore. you know, yeah. So that's. Stuff's to rest down. Yeah. And he felt good afterwards. Before it's like, you know, yeah, I guess I'm not a uh person. I'm not connected. He felt disconnected when he was exercising. Or when when he's talked to someone like me, you know, why you should have focused so much here. Right. You know, he felt but after that he felt like, you know, I am connected. Right. Right. And it's also it's also sometimes it's difficult for people, like for example, uh, somebody um, somebody uh, pointed out to me a very interesting thing that there was a uh, that there was a particular person who saw somebody exercising on erev rosh hashanah, and he got very very he got very very uh, outraged by it because erev rosh hashanah. How do you do that? It's like you know, it's crazy. So I was thinking to myself, it's interesting. And what about Erev Hanukkah? And what about Wednesday, Chav Chestavis? Like, if it's a bad thing, right? So God exists even after Rosh Hashanah. You know what I mean? And if, it's, if it could be a holy thing, if it's what, what the way the person needs to serve God and be healthy and be able to have more energy so they could learn and do mitzvahs and do good things, so then... That's the best time to do it. <laughs> the best time to do it. So the compartmentalization creates a situation where, like, we're doing our stuff in secret, as though God doesn't exist after Rosh Hashanah. You know, go through Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, be very, very firm, and then Sukkot, you chill out. Yeah? Somebody told me there was a, there was a, there was a, a sign called Shari Hashemayim, a show called Gates of Heaven. So they would have a sign go up in the summer. The gates of heaven are closed from July fourth. Uh, to Labor Day. So the gates of heaven are closed, you know. Uh, somebody asked me yesterday, they don't understand how the Chazal allowed Hanukkah to be created. I said, what's the problem? They say, every Jewish holiday comes with so many obsessions. Pesach, <laughs> the matzah, the are crazy with the matzah and the chametz. Sukkot, where you eat, where you not eat, if it's raining, etc. Right, even Purim, the Shalach Monison and the Megillus, and you miss the word and so forth, Machtas Hashak, and life. And before that, you have to be Nebo, Rosh Hashanah, and Kippur. So it's the only holiday they actually forgive people to sit and relax and sit with the family, and eat latkes, and give money, and this, and with candles, this. You wonder how did Judaism allow for this? Uh, that's what he asked me in the book last night. 
How did Judaism allow for this holiday? Something was off. Some secular influence uh, had to. Uh, so a secular Jew made this Hanukkah. You relax. You sit. There's no obsession. You're not running to shul and this. Huh? It's a zeicher for the Yavanim. He said it's something. What? Yeah, it's nice. There's lights everywhere. And even the Hanukkah Menorah, it's not like an oppressive mitzvah, you know what I mean? It's not like, it's kapodis, somebody, kapodis, you know, shechting chickens in the street. It's, 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 it's a mahalach over here. Yeah, but the question was a very interesting question. It's a holiday without obsessions, allowing people to breathe. He wanted to know who invented that. He wanted to understand. An interesting question. So, yes, of course there's a time for everything. The time for everything. Uh, uh, under, under, it's, it's sometimes a time where a person shouldn't do certain things, even though they're good. There's times for everything. But the Yisait Hadavar is that if Gashmi is, is bad, then even after Rosh Hashanah, it's bad. <laughs> it's not like God disappears after Yom Kippur. The problem is we define God in a certain box. And that box you can't live in always. So Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, I'll be in the box. Cheshvet, it's time to get out of the box. Summertime, oh. And when you go on vacation, oh, your mamish go out of the box. But that's really, as somebody once said, if God doesn't amount to everything, he amounts to nothing at all. That's one of the Yisaitis of the Baal If God doesn't amount to everything, he amounts to nothing at all then the whole thing is worthless. It's pointless. And if God doesn't amount to everything, it means nothing. So you have to work. So, so everything needs a husband. Fine. But that, that's, that's, that's the Nakud. There's a beautiful title from the Baal Tov in Parshish Mishpatim. It says... Kisira chamor sein acha roivitz tachas masai vechadalta meazoivloi azoiv tazoiv ima. So he teaches as follows. Literally, you'll see the donkey of your enemy crouching under his burden. You may think, don't help him because it's your enemy's donkey. Azoiv tazoiv ima, help him. Help the donkey take off the load or help him with the load. He should be able to stand up, even though it's your enemy. When you look at your chaymer, at your material identity, chaymer from the word physical, material, geshem, chaymer, chumrius, grub, and you'll see soin acha, your chaymer hates your soul. Whatever your soul wants to do, your body says no. Ruivitz tachas masoi. Your body is crouching under the burden of Torah and mitzvahs. So I don't want, I'm not interested. I'm not waking up today, I don't care. So you're going to think the way to do it is, you'll destroy your body. You'll say, you're not my life, out of my life. Whatever you can do, you will mortify yourself, you will mock it, you will destroy it. The Torah says, no, no, no. Not through this will the light of God dwell in you. You have to refine your body, work with your body, talk to your body, because your body could also be divine. 
So here is the real function. Ruchnius is here to elevate the body, not to destroy it. Is Ruchnius superior to Gashmius? Depends. If Ruchnius becomes a destination in and of itself, it's not superior to Gashmius. It could be a bigger trap than Gashmius. If Ruchnius is a path to allow the Gashmius to see itself from a divine perspective, then Ruchnius is superior to Gashmius, not because it's really superior to Gashmius, because in the path of discovery, Ruchnius helps you see the world from a deeper perspective, so you should be able to go back and bring that vision to the Gashmi. But if the Ruchni becomes an objective in and of itself of self-worship, then it's ultimately not, it's dis- as disconnected of the divine as Geshem, and sometimes more because it could be more toxic, because it could be more sophisticated, because it can have an allure of spirituality. Somebody was very physical, Retzach Nishtayin, that they're a Gadol Hadar. <laughs> you know what I mean? They lift weights, Shoyim. There's something very primal and simple and good about them. They're real. You know, they're real. But sometimes when you play mind games with yourself and with other people, you can become a dangerous person. You can become a serious... So, is is, so, that, so that's why there's no... Don't, there's no tension here between what you always learn, Ruchnis is, is much higher than Gashmis, and here suddenly he says, Amashpili Liris is the same thing. You have to understand... When you're talking about in a path of discovery, Ruchnius will open you up to things that Gashmis want. The Gashim is primal. It's like an animal. An animal has to be trained. That's like a child. It has to be trained. It has to be educated. You can't just follow a child wherever he goes. He wants to run into the highway. You don't say, we run into the highway because that's our primal instincts. But if you destroy the child, you destroy the child, you mock the child, you crush the child, that's not, that's not, that's not what Ruchnius means. Ruchnis is a path of discovery which then allows you to redefine the Geshem. And that's very important because in the ultimate truth, the Ruchni is not, is not higher than the Geshem. That's the Vart. It's not really higher. It's not higher. In the process of human education, the Ruchni is more sensitive. It's more spiritual. It's more aloof. It's more ethereal. It's more heavenly. So therefore, it can help us discover that there's something higher than the earth. But not to discover that earth is meaningless. It's really what God wants. And that's why most of Torah and Mitzvahs deals with the Geshem. We don't deal with this paradox. You talk about education. Most Mitzvahs, remember, in other religions, especially in the Far East, right, you connect through spirituality, through mindfulness, through meditation. In Judaism, most of the Mitzvahs is physical. So how do we deal with this? We deal with it by turning into by turning Judaism into something that's completely not mindful. For example, how do we deal with eating on Shabbos and Yom Tov? Tefillin, all mitzvahs are gashmis, the tztaka, trumas, maestris, right? All mitzvahs are pluyas bar, it's agriculture. Hilchas Shabbos, it's all physical stuff. Matzah, shoifer, sukkah, it's all physical. Nerchanek, everything wicks with, with matches, with... Right to left, left to right, the menoida here, two candles, one candle, a flame, not a torch, a flame, all these dinner. So again, for some people, it's just, this is what you do. This is what you do. What he's saying here is, no, this is how you connect to God. The Geshem of Torah and Mitzvahs 
is divine. You have a noichi, misha noichi, even higher than names, even higher than malchus. And that's why when the Ratzin is in the Geshem, when his Ratzin is in the Geshem like in a mitzvah, that ultimately the Geshem becomes the ultimate destination. But it's based on a general perspective of Ruchnis versus Gashmis. So I don't think the two streams are, are, are contradictory. The question is which, which uh, exit you're on. When you're in exit two, exit three, so you say, yeah, Ruchnis, Ruchnis, Ruchnis. But in the ultimate truth, Ruchnis is not higher than Gashmis. That's what he says. Ultimately, ultimately. Here he's talking about the tzien of Gashmi's two ruchnes. Yeah. I don't know how relevant it is, but I'm going to say nowhere. From a practical point of view, Gashmi's has to be elevated into ruchnes, but it's a question of priorities, especially during the day. Sometimes I come to Shul in the morning, I see a guy running out of his car into the mikvah. The way he's dressed, I realize he comes from the Jew. I cannot see how you can go to the gym before you've done it. I don't understand. Okay. How can you start the day with this? Because I'm saying starting the day sitting here, I'm not in the gym. That's why he goes to the mikvah. Maybe he's saying he's going to the mikvah doing a chopper on the gym. <laughs> Rabbi Radinsky gave a whole shir on this one Friday night. I was by him in the shul, and he gave a whole shir if you're allowed to go to the gym before Shachras. From a completely litvisha halachic perspective, no other cheshboin is mixed in. You want to know what his psak was? I don't remember. <laughs> It was an interesting pilpil, I know. <laughs> That's not the point. The point is, I liked it. It was an interesting question he put up. He spoke about his treadmill, Barichas, his own treadmill. So that was very interesting. Huh? Yeah. Okay. No, no, because it was, he said, if with certain, certain, with a lot of Tanoyim, yeah. But it was a lot of Tanoyim. You wanted to say something? Of course, different types, but everything. That's why he's not Ruchne. It seems like an idea. The Gemarik Silvis. Yeah. Before his Prashas Ptirosi. He said, But there's another Gemara by Rabbi Yudanasi. Rashi brings it, right? From the table of Rabbi, there never left radishes. <laughs> And romaine lettuce, which was considered a delicacy, not in the winter and not in the summer, even when it was out of the season. No, how do you reconcile this gemara with that gemara? So for us, radishes are not considered a big uh, romaine lettuce for kert. Potato chips, mainly. But, uh, huh? How do you reconcile? The Pshat is, Debbie said, Loy Nesimayo Lamhaza. 
for him, eating Tznoyna Chazeres was a form of extracting the divine energy. Olam Haza, you see, we touch Olam Haza in a very primitive way. We touch Olam Haza anything that exists in this world. Olam Haza is not anything that exists in the world. Olam Haza is a certain way of looking at the world. It's a way of looking at the world. Two people can eat the same food. For one person, it's a divine experience. And for another person, it's a gluttonous experience. It's For one person, it's a healthy experience. It's an elevating experience. For another person, it's it's a destructive experience. The same food. It could be that he worked out and he still says... Of course, of course. That's his word. If you find the divine there, then the Gashmi is as close as the Ruchni. But you need the Ruchni to enlighten you what the Gashmi is. That's what Torah is. To give perspective on the Gashmi. You Torah is what I'm saying. About Rebbe. That's why the Tumah Marek Chazal are not a contradiction. Rebbe says, I never had a no. So really, so why do you make sure on your table there was always the best foods if you never had a no? So Rambam and Hilchas Deus, Rambam and Hilchas Deus. You know, there's a whole siman in Shulchan Aruch about this. Eirachayim siman Reish Lamed Aleph in Tur and Shulchan Aruch. A whole siman dedicated to this. Huh? About everything physical. Quotes to the Mishnah Kol Masachal Hashem Shamayim and the Pasuk in Mishlei Bechol Derechecha Da'eyu. It's based on a Rambam and Hilchas Deus. A whole parak in Rambam. And the Rambam says that really when a person eats, when a person sleeps, the Rambam says when a person has intimacy relations with his wife, when a person um, uh, nurtures themselves physically, it goes to a whole list of what people do. It could all be avoidal makim baruchu. That's the Lashon It's all avoidal sashaf. Bechold rochecha da'ehu. In all your ways, you could know him. You should know him. Why? Because in all your ways... He can be found there. And on the contrary. And then it's a much more meaningful experience and it's a much more productive experience. Because it doesn't it doesn't decrease the physical health. On the contrary. The more you focus on the divinity of your body or the divinity of the food, the more you're searching for that which is nutritious in your body, for that which is nutritious in your food. So it's actually very, very helpful even from a physical point of view. Because you're not interested in satisfying external appetites that are not really loyal to the true energy of your body. So it's really the other way around. It's actually much healthier that way. So what this means is that when we say to live a spiritual life, live a spiritual life doesn't mean you become a, uh, what's the word? Uh, hermit. A hermit or a zombie. Yeah, you could be a very very physical aware person. What it means is that a person sees in everything the meaning of it, the spirituality of it. And then things that are very physical, the coin that he gives for stock is really a matbeya shalesh. It's a fire dik matbeya. It's a fiery coin. So it's the attitude that a person brings into it. But everything could be avoided Hashem. Of course, we're talking of its mutter al-pishul chamarach. 
Now, this doesn't mean there's no distinction between learning Torah and going to the gym, or between learning Torah and eating a banana, or between putting doing a mitzvah, right, and, 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 and going to work. Of course, there are distinctions between this is a mitzvah, this is L'shem Shemaim, this is a Heksha mitzvah, but that's different categories of a person's life. But it's not that we look at it good versus evil. This is paradise and this is horrible, this is horrific. And it, what it does, when, when, one, when one doesn't have to do that, they don't have to uh, cut off parts of themselves from the Jewish experience. They don't have to say, I can show up to God only like with a, you know, a chopped up self. <laughs> because I can't show up with my full self unless I completely repress it. Now all the stories of G'dayli Yisrael who slept very little and, and who were masmidim for 20 hours a day or 18 hours a day. I don't know anybody who learned 20 hours a day, 22, 22 hours a day. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I mean, it says that the Vilna Gaon would sleep for two or three hours, right, with a hefzik of I mean, a half an hour. I mean, I saw even in our generation a Jew who slept not more than two or three hours. I saw when his lights went on and went off. But, uh, but those are inspiring things about what people are capable of when they're really committed to something. But to turn it into a uh, standard that now I shouldn't let my kids sleep more than three hours a night and make them feel horrible if they sleep for eight hours so their great brains can grow, I think is a criminal activity. I really think it's criminal activity. We learn from great giants and we get inspired by them in order to be able to maximize our potentials. But you have to identify who you are. And you can't create one standard. This is the religious model. And everyone has to fit into that standard because it undermines diversity that God created people with. There are people who are bali ruchnis, there are people who are bali gashmis, people who are very spiritually sensitive, people who are not so spiritual, there are people who are intellectually inclined, there are people who are emotionally inclined. Why the need to create a model that everyone has to fit into? And if they don't, they have to do psychological surgery and kill a part of themselves in order to fit in, and essentially they die. Emotionally, you talk to zombies. <coughs> they don't feel themselves because they had to cut off their emotions at the age of 12 in order to be able to be acceptable. It doesn't make sense. A religion that espouses that is not something that should be embraced by normal people. And a God that wants that, it seems very strange because it's contrary to the way he creates it. Certainly it's not... I don't know. You understand what I'm saying? To be inspired I, 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 by people of us? To us, we, we, it seems like there's pressure on us to idolize these people. The word idolize is a dangerous up. word. And you put pictures on your living room wall. You know, you don't have any kids. You have uh, some rabbi in Israel that you never met. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, you tell the baby, look, Sadiq, Sadiq, I said it to the no? no? Now, the issue of idolizing people, now you're opening up a whole new can of worms. Now this is already a whole new thing of idolizing people. Uh, do people make mistakes? Are people ineffable? Uh, now you're getting into, uh, a person wrote me an email, he wants to know what emunas chachamim means. 
because there's somebody who's considered a big tzaddik, but he knows that the man is corrupt. Is he mechuyev to believe in him, even though he knows he's corrupt? That was a very sad question, you understand? In other words, he even has a hava mina, that a muna has nothing to do with reality. You understand? Yeah, that's... A muna don't do with reality. So you're dealing with, with, with that's a whole other, a whole other topic. A whole other topic. Uh, it's really not connected to the sugya. It's a whole different issue. It's all far plotted. It's all far plotted. <laughs> Very good. You said that in the right time. You said it in the right time. You didn't mean for one, you mean it's all famished. It's all famished. It's all famished. Let me, uh, let me, I'll put it this way to you. The moment you start worshipping people in a way that you suspend all rational considerations, I think that could be very dangerous. Because then you allow people to get away with murder. And nobody's allowed to think. Nobody's allowed to ask. Nobody's allowed to criticize. So the idea that human beings who maybe have good minds and uh, great scholars are incapable of making mistakes, I don't know where that was invented. People are people. Humans are humans. They could be great. They could be... Who doesn't make mistakes? A person makes mistakes. If a person makes mistakes, they could be called out on their mistakes. Now, sometimes there's a situation where a person is one that you know is of tremendous pure reputation, and what you may think is a mistake, you should investigate, you should find out, you should question. You don't have to come to a conclusion. Have we done as kaladam lekafschus? But an idea of a blindness when it comes to a human being, where one is not allowed to question... I don't know what that does. You know, especially when one sees corruption and dishonesty and they're not allowed to question it, so that means their whole religion becomes false. So they're worshipping a God of lies. So why are they worshipping a God who believes that you should embrace lies? It doesn't make sense to me. I don't think it makes sense to anybody. That's an exceptional... Now I'm going to ask you what... You're going to ask me about how people like the Baal Shem Tev or the Ariza, right were treated, these types of people. So I want to I point out one thing. There's a Kedusha Slevi. It's very surprising, but you have to be very sensitive to these things. You have to understand how they thought. The Kedusha Slevi, Litzhak Abarditchev, people turned him into a Baba. Abarditchev wasn't a Baba. He was a Gon Oilom. He was one of the biggest Bali Halach of his generation. He was a Rav of two huge Kehillas, Avbezdin. Pinsk and Barditchev. These were two huge Kehillas, and he signs Avbezdin, Barditchev. So Bartichev was, he had huge shilas that came to him. He was uh, very close to the Balatayimi. He was a gone oilam. You should, you should understand who the Bartichev was. There are. There are. Yeah, the Lakutim, yeah. Not a lot, but there are. Yeah. You could see, you could read it, you see right away. But even without that, his, he was pushed, he was, he was a huge, a huge mother daaser. A city like Bartichev and Pekinskay threw him out because of, uh, you know... Because of because of his holiness, but uh, then Batichev was. The Vitzuk of Batichev writes, you could see it in Gedushas Levi, Parshas Shoftim. He touches a whole part. I'm not going to get into his touch. He has a brilliant touch in the pasuk there. 
But I quote, Mutter l'shtachavus l'tzadik. Quote, you're allowed to bow down to a tzadik. Now, any Erle Chayid reads that. There's a name for this in Judaism. What is it? <laughs> yeah. Before Christianity, you have to win. Hashem says in Parsha Shoftim that you cannot bow down to the sun and the moon and the galaxies because I did not command them. So Rashi puts in an extra word but Dichavah says, no, Asher Loitzi Visi, because they never got mitzvahs. That's why you can't bow down to that. But actually, this is a window to understand something very deep that he's saying. And I want to, I want to make this very clear. What we call a tzaddik is not the tzaddik he's talking about. You're not allowed to bow down to a person. When the moment a person becomes an idol, it's Avaita Zara. So why does he say mutal ishtachvus l'tzadik? You have a metzias. Now, this is very, very rare. Very, very rare. And you have to know that it's rare. And before you come to this conclusion, you have to be able to investigate the person maybe thousands of times for many years. And if after the investigation you don't come to this conclusion, because it's not true, good for you. But if you do... If you do, and you deny it, you may be depriving yourself from a special thing. And that is, the definition of a tzaddik that Baditshev is talking about is a person that when you bow down to him, you're not bowing down to him. Completely not. Why? It's a person, in the Lashon of the Balatanya, that the bittel to the Ein Saif is so infinite and so penetrating that his or her entire being is a conduit for the divine. There's absolutely no sense of self-consciousness. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu says in Krishna, in Dvarim, v'nasati mitar arzachim. Who, spe- who's, who says Dvarim? Moshe. I'm going to give rain? So the Sifri says, Shechina medaberes mitach was his throat or the Shekhinah's throat? The Pshat is, you have a human being who through tremendous avoid, and it's also a special gift, no question, becomes a complete conduit for the Ein Saif. So even though you're looking at a body and you see eyes, really what you're looking at is nothing but a conduit for Hashem. With absolutely no agenda, no bias, but not just because they're naive. That, we're not talking about a naive person, not talking about a smart person. We're not even talking about a holy person. We're talking about a neshama. A neshama that's complete conduit for, for insight, nothing else. Mamish, no self-consciousness. In other words, the moment you bow down to a tzaddik because he's a tzaddik, it's a vedazada. What does this mean Practically. It means as follows. We have a psamahalach. Let's say there's a gadol, yeah? A gadol. Call him a gadol. He lies once in 20 years. <laughs> what? I'm being very conservative. I'm being nice. 
He lies once in 20 years. Should I idolize him? He's a liar. <laughs> I may lie more than him. <laughs> I hope not. But I may lie more than him. Some people, every time they write, they say, how often do some lawyers lie when they open their mouth? But, uh, but he See, he has a Yitzhara. Okay. He has a Yitzhara. Fine. I could respect him. I could look up to him. I could learn from him. I can go to. I can ask him advice. I could be inspired by a lot of things about him. Why are you worshiping him? You're, you're crazy. You're stupid. And when you teach people to worship such a person, you're doing something wrong. Why? Because they're forced to shut their minds to truth, and that means their God becomes a God of lies. The tzaddik he's talking about is a tzaddik that in 99 years it's not shayach he should lie. But this, you have to investigate him. This shouldn't come from naivete. You don't know, oh, because they say about him. They say about him. You understand? The moment you would catch the Balatanya, take the Balshemtiv, the Arizal, yeah, people are talking about that caliber, right? Let's say once in 15 years, doing the Pesach, whatever. It's over. They're good people. Nice people. People are a lot of people sin. There's a whole Yom Kippur for sinners. It's fine. We have no issue with that. But it's not anymore mutter l'shtachavus. That's not, uh, it's not. Now, the problem is this concept exists in Judaism, but very rarely. We took this concept and we put it on every person that they decide is a godl. And it drives people crazy. It's not fear for these people. They're fine, wonderful people. Don't drive them mad. Let them be normal and let everybody else be normal with them. This is a very rare thing. And you can't take every person who has a good head and has an IQ and hates social life and therefore loves the Gemara and therefore is locked up for 35 years and went through Babylon Yosham and put this on them. It's not fear. Not fear to the people. Not fear to the boys who run around them and the paparazzi. And it's not fear to them. I have Rachmanis on them because they really they want to eat ice cream. Give them a vanilla ice cream. And even if he got rid of the vanilla ice cream because he gets enough covets, he doesn't need vanilla ice cream. But nonetheless, let him be. Let him be a person who could make a mistake, who could not make a mistake, and stop turning people who question him into 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 apikorsim to Hashem. It doesn't make sense. A Rav gives a psak din, there's a halach in Shulchan Aruch, you're allowed to ask him, Ehechon Dantuni. So here's the deal. If we never worship any person ever, we don't believe in that, we don't wor- you don't worship people, we worship God, and the definition of God is that he has no definition. <laughs> we don't worship definitions. God we worship because he has no definition, that's how we worship him, because it's reality. And what it is, I don't know. We don't worship anything. No person. No person. If the person is not a person, what do I mean? I don't mean... If the person is kula yalakus, then you can worship God. <laughs> but it's not the person. Yalakus. Now, every person has alakus, But we also have toxicity mixed in. <laughs> you understand? We have toxicity mixed in. Are there neshamas like this? Some want to say there's no neshamas like this. In some circles, they want to say there's no such a thing. Hmm? Even Bnei 
aliyah. You have to know what a ben aliyah is. Are there neshamas like this? Yeah. There are neshamas like this. There are neshamas. But even they have to be subjected to real investigation. You don't become a, I see you, and then and, and, and you live in a certain place in a certain time, and it works, and we turn you into this. It's not fair. No, I'm just sure it's not once in twenty. It's not once in twenty years. It's once in twenty years is megala something. It's a mensch with bias. With with he's a human being. Every person has agendas. I could learn from you. I could be inspired by you. I can't worship you. It doesn't make sense to idolize. It's not good for people. That's what he's referring to. He's referring to that person. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.